All right, Dan, this is the last episode that we're doing in year one of this podcast. Stop it. Seriously? Yeah. Welcome to Taste BC Radio, where we're going on a journey to explore restaurants, breweries, wineries, and just about anywhere where we can eat or drink local. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dan, and we're talking twice a month about local BC food and drink. If you want to join in on the conversation, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at TasteBCRadio, or email us at host at tastebcradio.ca. All right, tasters, let's get into it. So, Jeff, I uh, I, kn- I know this isn't a running podcast, and that's fine. However, <laughs> you did just go through a pretty uh, eventful couple of weeks, so why don't you tell us tell us and the listeners a little bit more about your experience over the last couple of weeks? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for asking. Um, the so th- Thursday the twentieth, I had my last final exam of the semester. Beautiful. The only final exam of the semester. Love it. At night. Finished at like 9 p.m. And then the next morning we left for California and we were going there primarily to do the Mendocino 50K, which is a trail race, 50 50 kilometers uh, on the northwest coast of California. And we flew into San Francisco, rented a car through an app called Turo, which was Mm. great and I highly recommend. Um, Drove up the coast. It was about a four to five hour drive and uh checked in and everything got an early night and then ran the race and the race was amazing um i i mentioned on the last podcast that there was uh, a few elevations where you get a good view uh, that wasn't true there was uh <laughs> three three major climbs and two smaller climbs none of which you got a view from but they were shaded and like in this beautiful redwood forest so it was super uh beautiful race the whole way around and then the last 10 kilometers was right along the coastline and <clears throat> and you're running kind of parallel to like like a cliff kind of drop off right on the coastline there where i guess the oceans kind of cut away at the land mm-hmm. and it was just absolutely stunning a uh, perfect day for it it was like 14 degrees on average throughout the course of the race perfect. Uh, my wife and i did it together for the most part we stuck together she's faster on downhills and i'm faster on uphills so kind of what our plan was going into it we didn't really talk about this but it kind of kind of became the plan was that uh, i would like power up the uphills and then meet her at the downhills or at the aid stations mm-hmm. which are like the pit stops for the race and um that worked really well, except for the one time that I got to the bottom of a hill and didn't really realize it and kind of kept going. And then I was like partway up the next hill and I was like, oh, well, I may as well just wait for her at the next aid station because I thought it was going to be like a couple kilometers away. Right. Turns out it was all the way up the hill. And uh, so she didn't like that very much. But <laughs> other than that, everything went pretty well. It was just like, she's like, oh, like, I don't know if you got lost because it's not like it's not like a road race where like things are like blocked off and super clearly marked like it was really well marked but it was like ribbons hanging on trees or little like tiny little flags in the ground of like blue means go and red means don't go this way and you kind of just had to hope for the best yeah and i was telling you before we started recording that there was there was a point for probably close to two hours where i didn't see a, another person there was like um an eight mile so what is that about 11 and a half kilometers between two aid stations at one point this is the longest one between and yep. it was uh, net downhill, probably about six and a half kilometers of that was just this um, slow downhill. Nice. Um, and it was later on in the race. It was about, it was just after the halfway point. So, uh, or kind of around the halfway point. So everyone kind of started to disperse more and be, be a little bit more spread out. And I was going down that in the middle of the woods nothing but birds couldn't hear any like traffic ocean yeah. uh the just the light breeze beautiful weather in the shade but it wasn't cold but it wasn't warm it was perfect and just like almost two hours i just didn't see another another person might have been a little bit time uh, might have been a little bit unnerving like did i take where did... there was there was at one point <laughs> i was like i was looking around i was like what if there's a bobcat am i gonna <laughs> die <laughs> what if i turn and be like oh no i'm yeah, but the thing what is, if like, I, I was on the like, oh. yeah, well, because the the path was like there were pretty well groomed paths, so yeah. they only marked along parts where like you could take a wrong turn or something. Yeah, 
but once you're on a path, but you could be continuing down, the, like at one point where I was going down like a logging road and there was only one option was to go down the logging road. Fair. But I went for like three or four kilometers before there was another indicator that I was going the right way. And I was like, oh, well, sure hope I'm going the right way. <laughs> so, and like it was, there was no problem whatsoever, except there was one point in the, in the race where there was the path split and both were marked as go. And I was like, what the heck? And like, I looked and I looked and I looked and then I realized they just kind of loop like, like 50 meters later, they loop back to the same spot. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just stood there for a while, just <laughs> being an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, it was super fun. Um, awesome. After that, we, after we finished the race, we kind of got some of the like post-race grub and, and all of our stuff. We got like a hoodie, we got a, a toque or as they called it, a beanie, because that's what it's called in the States. And then we got a finisher's uh, beer glass. Which was nice. like a like a sleeve glass, so that was super cool. We're gonna be drinking my beers out of that from now for for the next little while. Damn right. So after the race, uh, once we kind of got our our stuff together, we hopped in the car and we drove down to Sonoma, which is about a two hour drive from where we were. Um, Kalina was having some nutrition issues during the race, and afterwards she didn't really feel like eating because her stomach was all like tied up in knots. And yeah. she just drank a Coke, like a Mexican Coke, because they were providing right. those on the course, because it's uh, like real sugar, not corn syrup. Right. Anyway, we were driving through the Redwood, like super windy forest. And she's like, I think you should pull over. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I pull over and she kind of stuck her head out the door and just yacked everywhere. Oh. <laughs> just Mexican Coke everywhere. Oh, no. And um, and then you know, she's like, oh, okay, I think I'm okay. And we went and then we kept going and uh, and... I got her this bagel. It was like a, not raw, obviously, but it was like untoasted plain bagel that I had before the race. I had to buy a four pack. And so um, we had some extra, obviously. And I gave her one and she was just like eating it <laughs> like a, like an apple or whatever, just like <laughs> chewing on the bagel, no sauce or anything. And, uh, and then maybe like 30 minutes later, she's like, I think you should pull over. And I was like, okay. And so I pulled oh, over. No. And then it was just like, blah, just like bagel everywhere. <laughs> it was just like, oh, man. oh no. So I felt bad oh. for her. She recovered pretty quickly yeah. afterwards. We Once we got in, it was fine. We got a pizza and she, her stomach settled a bit and whatever. Um, got, her, got her an orange juice and, and, oh. and yeah. So yeah. And then we spent the next day in Sonoma. We did a little bit of wine tasting. We went for a, a nice lunch uh, in uh, kind of like wine country. Uh, just kind of relaxed in the hot tub, played some pool. Then we went down to LA and we went to a baseball game we went to angels versus athletics and yeah, athletics have team. kind of rooted for for a while so i don't particularly f- like i love baseball and i love like watching baseball but i don't like have a team and i don't specifically like watch it religiously or anything but if any chance i have to go to a game i'd love to and so and athletics is one of the teams that i kind of like the story of and plus they're moving to vegas in the next couple of years as it was confirmed like two days before we actually left for the trip so really it was nice to see them kind of in their home state albeit not in san fran it was in la right um and in uh, athletics one which is three out of three games that we've gone to they mm-hmm. won which was awesome you're their good luck charm exactly and then the next day we went to Universal Studios, and we were, we were kind of toying with the idea of going to Disney, but we've both, both been to Disney in the last five years, Yeah, and uh, we haven't, like, it was right before Galaxy's Edge opened, so we're like, okay, that's the one thing that's kind of drawing us there. Yeah. But we only had, we only had one day, and we're like, well, I feel like we're, we're going to feel like we've missed out by not doing enough, whereas if we don't go at all to it, it'll be like, okay, well, we know that we're, you know intentionally like making the choice not to go to disney so we went to universal right. which you can do easily in a day uh we went to uh super nintendo world in universal so cool it was absolutely incredible they've done such a good job with it yeah. there's only one ride and then there's a couple of games and you can get these like wristbands that collect points and so throughout super mario world you can like collect these points by like hitting like the the one-ups and like finding things and like you can go out afterwards and see we didn't do that because they're like 75 bucks a wristband but um the game the the ride is really cool um it wasn't exactly what i was expected it's kind of like an ar mario kart so So, like you're in a cart with three other people and it's like a a tracked ride and then there's like a storyline behind it and stuff and you have these like ar and you can like shoot um, and like you can help, you can collect points by like making turns good, even though it doesn't actually affect how your cart is is oriented, uh, and and by like shooting shells at at guys, and you can lose points by shooting shells at your allies and stuff like that. Really cool. Um, 
I recommend doing it. it like I said, it's not the, the best ride that's ever existed, but it was a really cool concept. And uh, we went on like Jurassic Park and uh, the, oh, um, so well, you know, what the, the Transformers ride was really fun too. Oh, really? Um, Universal does a really good job of integrating like visual and like physical effects together. Like there was like this one part where like this like weapon was like coming at you and it was supposed to be radiating heat and like you could feel heat coming on you. And then as soon as it was gone, it would like cooled off and there would be like wind blowing and like all these like different like aspects like very like 4d kind of style stuff which is really cool um so they did a really good job with that there's like simpsons world all that yeah and then we came home we had a we had to leave at five in the morning to get back to our san fran flight but made it left no problem got home or well we got home wednesday night and then friday afternoon we left to seattle and we spent two nights in seattle with a another couple friend of ours and we saw shania twain on saturday night and we rode around on those uh, little bird scooters all over Seattle, and it was so much fun. Oh my god, that sounds amazing! Yeah, I didn't know you went to see Shania Twain, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a really, really great break between um, semesters. So yeah, and well, uh, fun. On, yeah. <laughs> on that on that note, congratulations on being done another semester of school. That's awesome, man. Yes, thank you very much. And I got my grades back, and I'm really happy with them. Uh, I was I was nervous about one of the courses, and so I'm. Yeah, really happy. And, and next semester starts next week. Dang! It'll have started by the time this episode comes out, actually. So Yeah, yeah. No rest for the wicked. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But it's good. I'd rather get it done faster and work harder for the next year than drag it out for another... Absolutely. An, ...an additional year or whatever, right? So Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations to both you and your wife. That's uh, on the on the completion of the of the race, and that's... And yes. like, I'm so glad that you enjoyed like your break afterwards. You guys definitely earned it. You both worked so hard and oh man, that's, it's awesome. It yeah. must've just felt so good. Yeah. And I've totally got the bug now. Oh so yeah. I'm, I'm like looking out for the next big races I want to do and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you should come do the uh, long courses for the uh, Island trail series. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I, I definitely can't do it next year because it conflicts yeah, yeah. with school. But of course, maybe eventually. Maybe eventually. Uh, and how are things? How are things with you? Good, good. Um, working a lot. May is always a really busy month. Lots of birthdays and lots of stuff going on. So it's gonna fly by. For the listeners who don't know, my wife and I are expecting our first in July. So that's super exciting. And she, my wife is now into her third trimester, which is wild. <laughs> So, um, just very uncomfortable all the time and <laughs> having trouble sleeping. But other than that, she's doing really well. Baby's doing really well. So we're very excited. That's yeah. That's kind of... It's been so hard not to talk about it. I know. Yeah, no. <laughs> it has been. Yeah, really. Especially like early on. Oh my God. Keeping that secret from people yeah. was hard. <laughs> yeah. But worth yeah. it. Worth it. Amazing. Well, yeah. um, officially from... Uh, uh, congratulations even though i've known for a long time but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly i don't i don't want anyone listening being like oh like he didn't react at all well yeah obviously I yeah one, so of course yeah <laughs> this is a news to you <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> But yeah, so other than that's kind of just been our life, like just getting uh, the nursery ready and like getting all the stuff that you need for a newborn. And we just had our first prenatal class the other day, which is wild. And I went through a lot of phases of like, oh my God, this is very turning very real, very fast. And then, um, so that's kind of been actually my, my emotional state over the last like few months, just like these huge waves of like oh my god i have a responsibility for a new human and that's terrifying but also super <laughs> exciting <laughs> yeah well you're good with responsibility as goofy of a guy as you are you <laughs> to be a paramedic at the level you are and everything i think you're you're gonna be okay yeah I, honestly like night shifts have probably trained me quite well for this <laughs> so yeah <laughs> all right let's get into it boom so this is a very special episode to me because of what I want to talk about. And I also have other reasons, but basically we're talking about wine. Yeah. Which um, was the intro for me into loving like BC specific products. Yeah. Uh, when I was a young adult, like barely able to drink legally, 1920 was the first time I made my trip to the Okanagan. 
and discovered that there were these things called wineries that you could go to and you could try. And obviously I knew about wine, but I thought it was like, oh, it comes in a box or a bottle from the store in like Mm -hmm. France or whatever. And I didn't realize that there was like an existence of terroir and there was an existence of like locality to this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then obviously then you know, craft beer started showing up and then I became more and more involved in the food world. And I started thinking more, um, specifically and, and intentionally about getting local produce and locally made, uh, other kind of foods and clothing and like that kind of stuff. So, um, here we are with wine. Excellent. And, uh, <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought with this, but I would love to hear <laughs> what you have, uh, for me for wine. Absolutely. And I too, uh, I will share that sentiment as well. I think I was first introduced to like, as a young adult, uh, dabbling in the old um, alcohol world, as we do when we're young. Um, I think I was, I feel like I was introduced first to craft beer. And then we had this wild idea, probably inspired by you, I would imagine, because because <laughs> of our close friendship and stuff like that. Well, my wife, my wife and I decided to make, uh, well, my now my now wife um, decided to take a trip out to the Okanagan. It really opened our eyes to what BC has to offer in terms of in terms of wine. Because for for me initially, it was something that was made outside of bc that we just kind of imported and it was it was tasty and stuff but i never really thought about it uh in as a local delicatessen if you will that's not the right word but um (laughs) (laughs) um a local uh thing that we would be able to make but the okanagan is such a unique area in bc and it's like the only desert in canada and it provides this perfect environment for really top-notch world-renowned wines and yes this one uh that i'd like to talk about is also um uh it was one that we stopped at at our first ever trip to uh, the um to the okanagan and um not only did they have really good um whites and reds and stuff but they introduced us to like dessert wines and fruit-based wines so i really wanted to talk about the winery called silver sage and i Oh yes, yeah. I think hey, you recognize it. That's good. <laughs> um, so it's a. You know what I recognize it for? I think I, I think we're. I'm probably gonna dabble into what you're thinking. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a funny story about it too later, so we'll get there. A little teaser. Little teaser. Ooh, I wonder if it is the same thing that we're thinking of. Anyway, we'll get there. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so this uh, this winery is. Uh, a beautiful smaller winery in the Okanagan, specifically in the uh, in the or, uh, region of Oliver, and uh, we found it on our kind of north of the river trip. If you can think of a Soyuz, there's uh, uh, lakes and there's a river that kind of like splits the north and the south uh, of this beautiful like golden valley and so we always kind of split our trip into the north and the south of the river and so this was our northern trip and trust me when i say you can spend an entire day going to different wineries as long as you're able to do so safely without without being behind the wheel probably more than that honestly yeah yeah there are so many and we found that we found this we had a we had a great experience top from top to bottom like the the people there that we met um were amazing they were very knowledgeable they were very passionate about it um the taste the tastings were really fun there was lots of people around that um we just seemed to have a really good vibe with so there's a lot of really positive um aspects to our visit here uh, a little bit on the history because you know I, i'm a sucker for a little uh, little history um the silver sage winery was founded by a, a, a romanian family who immigrated to the okanagan in approximately 32 years ago it's probably longer than that i imagine their history pages they don't update their um uh the year every year so it's probably actually longer than that by now they come from a long line of winemakers in romania uh the the uh the um husband victor managed a 25 hectare vineyard back in romania and um anna the the wife of the duo her father managed like a 600 hectare vineyard and uh and was the winemaker of that uh vineyard which is pretty amazing and 
she was able to learn a lot about kind of the uniqueness to fruit wine. And so a lot of the wines that you see are based on her experiences and uh, the technical aspects of winemaking from her uh, history. So super cool. It opened uh, in 1996. Uh, it's about 25 acres um, and uh, has been an established winery since. Um, unfortunately, Victor uh, uh, was uh, passed away in 2002, but Anna and, the, and her family have continued the, 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 vine, uh, the vineyard and continued their dream together. So amazing, amazing story. And uh, um, so incredible how resilient Anna and her family have been to keeping this winery going. And it's, uh, they have done such an amazing job. So can't wait to talk about the wines. Absolutely. So let's get into that part. Um, uh, so they predominantly uh, grow Pinot Blanc, uh, Merlot, Goritz, and Pinot Noir. Uh, and for their fruit wines, they use only Oak Fraser Valley and Okanagan Valley fruits. So they use a lot of blueberries, raspberries, cherries, peaches, and apricots for their fruit wines. Um, they truly believe like your recipe has to start with high quality fruits and the and you can have like different technical aspects to how you do it but if you're using lower quality fruit it's never going to be as good as you want it to be no matter what you do uh they don't use any chemicals or artificial flavors uh in their wine so it's straight fruit and the fermentation process obviously the their land is situated in such a way that their reds are grown in a frost free part of their uh vineyard which is great but then they have an area that's lower down uh, and gets very cold in the fall and it allows uh, them to do ice wine from partially frozen grapes which I think is really really cool as well so it's a little bit about their the grapes and the fruits that they use I remember tasting their whites were very beautifully uh, sweet but not overly sweet I find uh, for me personally I'm more of a, a dry Mm -hmm. enthusiast and uh so i i really appreciated the uh, ability to use the white grapes and the fruits to make a sweet but not overly sweet uh white uh, super easy drinking across the board uh they do a garitz and a pinot blanc and then their reserve is a garitz that's uh, fermented with wild sage plants uh, which is pretty cool, and uh, I remember it being. When you say sorry, when you say Gritz, are you are you saying Gritz demeanor? Gritz demeanor, yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah, just just double check. No, no, that's no, no. Thank you. Uh, so their Gritz is uh, made with um, uh, peaches. Has like peaches and wild roses as their kind of distinct undertones. While their Pinot Blanc is more of a a grand, like a tarty kind of uh, apple characteristic to it, and they also use stainless stain stainless steel tanks uh in in their uh in their fermentation process which gives it that nice clean crisp taste to it in terms of their uh reds they um uh, have a a merlot uh, which is a nice medium bodied red wine that has blackberry characteristics and is a, on the t on the drier side their pinot noir is oak aged which gives it a really interesting nice medium uh flavor profile to it we found overall uh like what was kind of unique for this winery for us was we've been going to other wineries that are doing like really deep reds for, for us. <laughs> uh, so your Syrahs and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. your Gamays and stuff. And so going to another Okanagan winery that kind of more using the fruit aspect of it rather than those deep tannins and the, your leathers and right. your peppers was a really nice change. Um, and yeah, yeah. it was beautifully yeah. done. We're doing it, something original. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And an Oak age Pinot Noir is just a beautifully low, um, easy drinking Pinot Noir. Uh, they, um, have a kind of wild cherry under, uh, aromas and undertones and uh, just beautiful. The one I really want to talk about, which I think is what you were going for, is one of their dessert wines. And I think this is yeah. just an absolutely incredible, incredibly unique wine. And it's called The Flame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so what they've done here is they've created this dessert wine that's uh, Goritzemeiner uh, with peaches and apricots. And what they've done is they've put a, a hot pepper in it. 
and the hot yes. pepper, uh, if you open the bottle and then close it, the oxygenation causes it to get more spicy over time. So uh, from yeah. what I, I may be getting the timing wrong here, because it was a while ago that we had it, but if you were to leave it for a week versus like two weeks, you would notice a substantially different spice profile to it. And what they, we found... Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's like... it. It's like leave it for like a couple hours to get like a hint. Leave it for a day and you get like some spice. Mm-hmm. Leave it for a week and it's like, oh, you're biting a hot pepper. Totally. Yes. Uh, th- <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the correction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is such an incredibly unique wine and I highly recommend anybody get it. What we were told, which was really cool, which is I think we did together with you, is we made Caesars out of it. And use it instead of vodka or gin or or bourbon. We use this flame to add the spice to our Caesars, and oh, oh. it was so good. Was that with it? Was that with you, or was that a not not with us? No. But that sounds like an incredible idea. Yeah, it was really really interesting, and I remember just thinking, this is such a weird concept, adding this dessert wine to <laughs> to a Caesar. Yeah, but it worked out so well, and it was so delicious, yeah, yeah. and. I uh, I couldn't be more impressed with this uh, unique and amazingly done wine. Oh, it's it was so yeah. cool. Um, their other dessert wines are really nice as well. They do a blueberry one, and so that was the one that I remember. There's other Merlot dessert wines and Pinot Blanc. I don't remember them as much, but their blueberry uh, one was is just such a uh, a beautifully done blueberry based dessert wine and it was so good it, we yeah. would uh you would put pour it over like a vanilla ice cream or something and it would just be, give you this delicious uh, r- uh rich blueberry flavor and it was so good i feel like you're wanting to say something about the flame so let's go yeah. back to that yeah so so a friend of mine matt he listens to the show but he's like always behind so text me when you get this um <laughs> he he uh he would go there often, like yearly, uh, on 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 a Okanagan. Well, like a, up to Oliver, and yeah. one of the places he'd stop is there, and he'd always get the flame. And one time he brought it to this kind of gathering. It wasn't quite a party, but it was a gathering at my parents' place, and um, we all kind of tried it. He had opened it, and we're like, "Oh, this is nice. Like it's mm-hmm. like it's cute. Like oh, it's got a little bit of spice. Like it tastes good. It's it's kind of like a fun fun." Not gimmick, but like at the time we were like, oh, this is like kind of a gimmick. Not realizing he knew, but we didn't know that as it sat longer, it got spicier. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, like the hot pepper doesn't really do anything. And again, this is when I was still quite naive uh, around this stuff. So then he accidentally left it at my parents' place and it was like half drinking. Yeah. Half, ha- like half empty, half full, whatever. And he had just kind of lightly put the cork back in it and it sat up on the desk upstairs for probably like four weeks. <laughs> And then my dad was like, oh, we should probably like give this back to Matt. And I was like, oh, he just texted me. He doesn't want it. Like you can, you can have it or whatever. And then my dad's like, hmm, I'll give it a try. And he takes a sip. He's like, ah, it's so spicy. <laughs> he's like, what is this? <laughs> and then Matt's like, oh yeah, by the way, it gets spicier the longer it sits open. And we're like, no, what? <laughs> Did you end up trying it as well after the four weeks? No, no, because I wasn't living at home oh, at the time. Right. It just happened to be like at his place, right? So it was just, yeah, it was such a funny story. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's in his like wine collection. He he, you know, he goes up to Oliver and stocks up like several cases a year. Yeah. And um, in his wine collection, he seems to, or at least did, always have like at least one flame. And at one point, I think he had like a flame from three years in a row. Yeah. And I don't think he collects them anymore because I don't think he he drinks them as much. But yeah, it's such a unique wine. Oh, it's kind of so like one of those things where it's like you kind of have to get it because you're never going to get it anywhere else. Yeah. And then, you know, just for that one night where you want to like... Spice things up. Do something different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. <So. laughs> All right. Um, other little aspects of the winery. The tasting room is super fun. And uh, when you go there, there's like little... Uh, of like funny butlers and but it's also just really a nice environment uh, you have the the tasting table that's wrapped around like uh a de- not a desk sorry a wrapped around the the bar and so you're getting to be have this intimate experience with the wine 
connoisseurs there and they're like i said at the beginning of this they're so lovely uh to taste with they have all these stories and and neat ideas for for the each of the wines and they can tell you all about the uh their process processing and like how they how they make the wines shouldn't say processing uh they're they're the winemaking process and um just an amazing experience so if you find yourself in oliver or soyuz and you're looking for a really unique uh place to go and taste with high quality local ingredients silver sage is the way to go and while you're there make sure you pick up a flame because you will not regret it it is such a distinct unique wine that i highly recommend anybody try um despite like if you open it you can pour it right away and it won't be spicy but it'll still be a very unique flavor profile if you like your spice maybe not four weeks but (laughs) leave it open on the (laughs) counter for a few hours and uh and uh enjoy it is such a such an amazing experience you can find the silver sage winery at 4852 rye grass road in oliver bc amazing Perfect. Thanks, Dan. No, thank you. <laughs> okay, so on when I came back from uh, California the day before, so we came back, like I said, we came back on the Wednesday, and then we were leaving on the Friday, mm-hmm. and I was actually scheduled for a shift on the Thursday, and I was like, you know what? I'm still in vacation mode, so I actually gave my shift away to someone else, nice. and um, I went to Langley and went to a couple of breweries. And in light of some of the stuff that we've been talking about recently with beers and beer trends this year, I have a absolutely fantastic beer that I tried for the first time a while ago. Um, And uh, then I had it again and I was like, yes, this is great. So it's a cold IPA. Hmm. It's called Snowblind and it's from Camp Beer. And, you know, avid listeners of the show might know that I'm I love Camp Beer. One of one of my favorite breweries out there right now, I think. Mm-hmm. And they just do really, really great beers. And I've had two, three, I've had three cold IPAs now this this year since it's kind of become a thing. Mm-hmm. And this is by far, absolutely by far my favorite one. It was also the first one I had. Yeah. Um, but but of no co- coincidence, it's also it's also my favorite. And what I like about it, so what I find with ipas is the bitterness is balanced with the maltiness Mm -hmm. and with a cold ipa it's harder to balance that bitterness so they actually need to bring the ibus down a little bit Mm. because you don't want to have it as high of an ibu um what is that what does that stand for international bitterness unit yeah something like that right yeah so you you actually you actually don't want to have as high of an ibu on a cold ipa as you would on the equivalent ipa because it the that bitterness actually goes a lot further and i think that the snowblind from camp beer has done a really good job of actually bringing that down so if you look at it you're like oh that's not that's more like a pale ale kind of ibu right yeah. versus um uh, it, 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 sorry it's closer to like a like a pale ale would be versus a, an ipa like um they they don't actually put the specific ibus on here but they put uh, like a rating out of five so their pale ale is a four out of five their hazy ipa is a four out of five their snow blind cold ipa is a four out of five um they actually currently i don't, don't think have any five out of fives but like a proper IB, ipa or double ipa would be a five out of five mm-hmm. and that i think that's a good thing whereas some of the other breweries have kept the, the hoppiness level the ibu level and reduce the malt and done the cold ferment and, and the, the bottom fermenting. And right. so it doesn't have that balance the same. And so it actually, it's very, very light, but it smacks you with that bitterness. And so it's it's a nice way to kind of convert that in a way that's not as heavy of a beer. But mm. this one, I think, is balanced a lot better. They brought it down a little bit, in my opinion. You still have that really high alcohol percentage of 69 um, But it goes down like a lager with a little bit more flavor to it. So mm. It's nice. really, really good. I really love it a lot. Um, I as soon as the sun came out, I've been like, I want lagers, I want pilsners, I want, I want those light beers because <laughs> yeah. they're so refreshing. Yeah. And then I had the, this cold IPA, and I was like, no, this this is what I want because yeah. it's like a light beer with fl- like so much flavor. And not that lagers, a good lager or pilsner doesn't have flavor, yeah, but yeah. this one really kind of gives that like reminiscence of the IPA mm-hmm. or the pale ale or whatever. And so it's highly recommended. It's been on their um, tap for quite a bit of time now because the last time i went to camp it was there mm. um and that was probably like three months ago wow. maybe more sticking so around. It, it 
yeah, it's been sticking around. It's good. It seems to be kind of one of their mainstays right now, which is really nice. And um, I haven't seen it in stores, but they do distribute. Uh, um, but I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't actually go to the liquor store very often for for beers. I usually just go straight to breweries. Yeah, so. fair enough. Um, definitely, if you see it, check it out. Or if you're in the area, go check out the cold IPA from. Do you know if they uh, ship to Victoria or Vancouver Island camp? I, I do know that they do not sell in Victoria or Vancouver Island, but that doesn't mean that you can't get them to Victoria or Vancouver Island. Come on, yeah. camp. I want to but you're coming your to the goodness. mainland soon. Maybe you can That's swing true. by. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'd love to. Everything you've told me about this brewery just screams that I want to go there. So um, yes. yeah. it's funny you say that because I want to talk about a brewery that I've also talked about on the show that is also one of my favorite breweries right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's like we're like kind of the same person a little bit. Uh, kind of once in sync, yeah. We are in sync, yeah. And not the boy band in sync. I would love to talk to you about a an IPA. Uh, it is not a cold IPA, however. It is your regular run-of-the-mill IPA. But it is a collaboration between Small Gods Brewing out in Sydney and Brew Hall. Mm. And it's an IPA called Sweet Thursday Gummy IPA. And it is a lovely, full body, little bit of hops, and uh, tons of uh, fermented kind of on tons of funny fuzzy peach candies. So, in all honesty, Yum. I know, I know. And and it was my wife that fa- saw, like, the post on Instagram about it and says, you need to go try this beer. And I was like, I have the best wife ever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, they do- they've done this really, really nicely. They really wanted to play towards, like, the sweet uh, stone fruit kind of tropical side of an IPA. So when you look at the beer itself, it's a little bit hazy looking and it's lighter looking than uh, some IPAs can, uh, can be, uh, carbonation is lovely. Um, not too much, but still gives you a, a kind of what you're after of, in terms of a carbonated beverage. Uh, and I was fully expecting, and maybe this was to my detriment, I was fully expecting to be absolutely smashed in the face with uh, fuzzy peaches, but I was very mm. pleasantly surprised that it wasn't like that. It was a very beautifully ba- balanced IPA with a little bit of hoppiness to it, some tropical notes to it, and then it finished off with this, like... <sighs> I don't know what word I would use, but it wasn't subtle, but it wasn't like smack you in the face. It was, so I guess balanced fuzzy peach like yeah. finish. It was just an absolutely gorgeously done IPA. And I highly recommend it, especially as the weather gets warmer, because it is something that is very easy to drink and gives you a little bit of the uh, satisfaction of drinking a fuzzy peach without getting smashed in the face with it. Um, it's like, um, it's like a, IPA Bellini. It's an IPA like Bellini. Bellini IPA, I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, just less sweet. <laughs> um, right, of course. Well, it's an IPA. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so right up my alley. Um, they use a lot of El Dorado hops, which are very known yep. for being tropical forward and citrusy with a little bit of herbal undertones to it. So that really nicely balances out the fuzzy peach flavors. I thought um the the first sip was really interesting and then um because it, it just gives you a taste of what it's going to be like and then as you take more and more sips you realize like how beautifully subtle and and yet perfectly balanced this ipa really is it is spectacularly done and um, amazing i had like four of them and i could drink more if i wanted to and i wouldn't feel sick from the too, too much sweet um it's too much sweetness and just another wonderfully done beer by um by small gods brewery that is quickly uh developing a name for themselves in victoria as being a phenomenal brewery yeah that's awesome yeah anyway yes another brilliant brilliant beer by uh small gods and brew hall so anyway amazing absolutely what winery are you wanting to talk about there jeff do you want to take a guess? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can uh, can guess. Yeah. Do you want me to guess? What do you think? Yeah. Arrow leaf. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so the very first time we went wine tasting in the Okanagan, I had heard a lot of really great things about Grey Monk Winery. Mm-hmm. And right 
around the corner from Greymonk Winery is this, what was at the time, tiny little winery called Arrowleaf. And we went there as well. And we went across the street to another one. Um, and those are the three kind of major wineries that we did. And Arrowleaf just absolutely blew us out of the water. Mm. It was super humble, very, very, very tasty. Um, the customer experience was perfect and has always been ever since. The The wines were, like I said, incredible. The little, the, the view from the vineyard was incredible. They're, you know, the whole like essence there. And the reason specifically why I want to talk about this, one, obviously, is because we're kind of wrapping up the year mm-hmm. and starting, I guess, I guess what you could call season two uh, next year, <laughs> uh, next month. Um, but also uh, a few days ago when we were recording this, the beginning of the month, the beginning of May, uh, they turned 20. Wow. And they are doing some celebrations. They are over as of a couple of days from now when we're recording this. So I think they were celebrating May 1st to 5th. And... Um, kind of in honor of that, and I wish I wish I'd noticed that before and done this for May first. But um, congratulations, Early, first of all, for twenty amazing years Incredible. and super proud. They've gone through different iterations. Now, first, I'm going to kind of tell you about the story. I'm going to tell you about my experience with them and kind of the different iterations that I've seen them kind of grow up through. Um, I first visited them, or my wife and I first visited them in 2010. Mm-hmm. So we've been around for. Th- with them for about 13 of the 20 years we served almost exclusively their wine at our um wedding the only exception to that was the uh rosé bubbles that we sold that we did called i do from intrigue which i talked about previously on this episode which like how could you can't not but for the actual dinner it was all air leaf wines um and then other alcohol obviously um and it is also where I fell in love with the grape Zweigelt, which is an Austrian grape and grows beautifully in the northern Okanagan. The The climate for it is absolutely perfect. It's very similar to that in Austria. And it's it's so well adapt to this climate that when I was in Sonoma last week, I mentioned that I like Zweigelt and they had no, never heard of it. Huh. Wow. Because it, I guess it needs the colder climate. Yeah. So. Um, anyway, so the, the founders of Arrowleaf was a family, um, Joe and, and Margaret, uh, Zuppiger, Zupp, I'm so sorry. I can't pronounce that last name. Um, they're from Switzerland. Uh, they moved to Canada in 1986 and they, uh, settled in Edmonton. They did 10 years of dairy farming, um, oh. which they had been doing in Switzerland prior to that. Right. And then once after the 10 years, they decided to move to the Okanagan. They bought a vineyard. Two years later, they bought an additional vineyard, which is now where Airleaf is uh, located. And they started off the first five years, they were actually growing wine for Grey Monk, which was the only winery in Lake Country at the time. They decided that they wanted to start their own winery. And so they sent their son, their eldest son, uh, Manuel, or Ma- yeah, Manuel, back to Switzerland. He completed a three year apprenticeship program in winemaking. Then he went to Australia and did a season there. And then he went to Hillside Estates in BC and then Tinhorn Creek Mm. and did seasons each there as apprenticeships uh, with them and then came home. And by the time he got back, they had built their winery and they opened the doors to Airleaf in 2003. Um, So really intentional with that, kept it in the family. They started with only six grapes. Um... Uh, Oroa, A-U-X-E-R-R-O-I-S. I actually haven't heard of it. I don't think they grow up anymore. Um, Barrique, Pinot Gris, Bacchus, which is another Austrian kind of uh, white grape, Merlot and Zweigel. Hmm. And then, uh, and the first production was only 3,500 cases, wow. which is really incredible. Yeah. Uh, since then, they've expanded to 16 acres of their own property growing and then they have um another 38 acres in the area that they oversee growing for themselves for for their wines mm-hmm. um and their production has expanded hugely mm-hmm. they have uh over a dozen different kind of wines now including they have three in their solstice series they have a solstice pinot Nuit, pinot gris a solstice pinot noir and a solstice reserve yeah. um that's kind of like their their um their A tier, their S tier um, brand. The Solstice Reserve is approximately 65% Zweigelt and 35% Merlot, just the most beautiful blend. Mm. It gets the mellowness from the Merlot, but then it gets kind of this spicy pepperiness from the Zweigelt, and it's just absolutely incredible. You can just taste the Okanagan in it. 
Merlot. Their Merlot that they grow is actually the northernmost Merlot grown in all of North America. Wow. Um, yeah, so it has a really unique kind of body to it, which yeah. is incredible. Uh, they are the first time we found a Riesling that we liked that wasn't too sweet. Wow, that's hard. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. In 2014, they expanded their tasting room. It used to just kind of be this room on like the main building that you'd go in and they had, you know, free tastings at the time, if you can believe it. Hard uh, to imagine a time. You know, there six, six wineries, yeah. And then they transitioned to uh, tastings by donation for a good cause. So like a shelter or whatever. And then they transitioned because they have so many more wines now that they have to recuperate some of that cost. But it's still a very reasonable price, five bucks or whatever, compared to like the 45 I spent in Sonoma. Um, <laughs> and in 2014, they opened their new tasting room, which was, it's gorgeous. And it has a huge um, patio where you can overlook the yeah. lake and it's covered. And it's this just really beautiful kind of um really aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. building that suits the property well but it's not like a chateau like a lot of the wineries try to do right. uh, very chic uh in 2015 they were rated they were named the number two winery in canada <laughs> um they've won countless gold medals for their solstice pinot noir um they released their first rosé a few years ago they released uh, their sparkling wine. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, they, sorry. Um, they released their first sparkling wines in 2017, expanding that to a three line collection uh, of their their white, which is kind of like a, a Bacchus Pinot Gris blend. They have now a Pinot Noir Rosé uh, sparkling, wow. and they actually produced a red sparkling as well. All of which are phenomenal. Uh, they produced a. Uh, field collection of blended wines which is kind of like more like approachable wines that are uh, a little bit lower price point and they're more uh, they're not single varietals so mm-hmm. that they're nice uh, blends which is the first time they were doing blends outside of the uh, solstice reserve right and then in 2011 they released uh, four new additions but two of them specifically I want to talk about which is the skin fermented Pinot Gris and the skin fermented Riesling and what that is is white wines made like red wines oh, so yes. the skin fermented Pinot Gris actually has like a red tint to it mm-hmm. and it's pressed on the skin and it sits on the skin for I, I don't know the exact time for them but it can be anywhere from 24 to 72 hours and then they continue making it like a red. Same thing with the skin fermented Riesling, except that one actually comes out kind of like off yellow, like almost like cl- between like a yellow and an orange. And so they're kind of known as orange wines as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I missed as well is that they also uh, did an ice wine, but nice. they weren't super successful with ice wine because people don't like buy a lot of ice wine. Yeah. And it's really delicate. You have to pick it at exactly the right time. So they actually transitioned to something called a late harvest wine. Mm. So they could you could you still harvested it later than most wines, uh, when the weather started to get cold, but it wasn't as dangerous to like get right to the end. And you produce it and it still had a lot more of that sweetness, but it was a lot it wasn't like sweet like a ice wine. It was it was just like um it was like a nice after dinner wine right. that you could still drink more than just like a two ounce glass of. Um, and so that was really nice. It was kind of like halfway between like a Riesling Gortz uh, level wine and like an ice wine. It was really, really cool. Every single wine I've had of theirs has knocked my socks off. And yes, I am partial, but that doesn't change the fact of how good they are. Um, and when they when they added the rosé sparkling, it was made with a Zweigel grape, which is probably one of the reasons why I loved it so much. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I love most about them is how modest they are too. They're not out there trying to become the biggest winery in the world. Yeah. They're growing organically. They're creating wines that are great. They're not trying to just become the world's greatest biggest winery in the world they're doing it at a sustainable rate where they're not expanding past their limits their their portfolio is getting massive now it's like um i i I just want to get like six of everything when i go up there it's quite dangerous actually normally when i go to a wine tasting i'm like oh i like the this one i like this one i'm gonna get like one or two of them and i'm gonna bring them home and save them on the shelf when i go up there because because liquor stores can only carry so much they'll carry like a couple of the bangers like they'll carry the rosé 
the Pinots. Some of the wineries will have like up to five, uh, the ones that will move on the shelves. But yeah. every single one of them I could I could bring home a case and just and never get bored of. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we went there with you guys once. Yeah, and it was so fun. And we were on the patio and just an incredible experience. It was a yeah. wonderful winery. The wine was spectacular. The food was really good. The service was second to none. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. One of the cool things they did when they opened their tasting room was, from what I understand, the daughter of the two owners yeah. uh, had kind of a culinary background and she created like a whole menu. Yeah. And they were doing food, and the food was incredible. They had, like, vegan options, gluten-free options, tons of really good, like, sandwiches and snacks. Um, they've they've turned away from that a little bit now. Now they have, right. like, charcuterie boards and um, some sweets and stuff like that. I think but, we had a charcuterie um, board when we were there. From what yeah, I their charcuterie boards uses, like, all local cheeses yes. and, and fruits and, um, like, crackers and that kind of stuff. So they do a really good job with that. Uh, I I miss the food, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like it was um, being sold. Like the the kind of food experience you expect going up into the Okanagan is like a fine dining experience. And that's not what they were providing. So it was more like kind of like picnic snacks. Yeah. And just kind of like a nice, um, like nice, like wine and fill in the blank experience that they were going for. And so I think they made the right decision. (gasps) to do what they're doing Mm -hmm. uh but i you know some of that food was like just so tasty and so like (laughs) yeah so so accessible and and it was really great um and you can you can get like wine by the glass there if you want sit on the patio or sit out on like the lawn uh you used to be able to buy a bottle and open it there but uh they can't do that anymore for liquor liquor licensing reasons so they'll still serve it to you in a carafe uh, if you want, um, nice. basically it has to be poured out of a bottle so they can tell you're not drinking wine that you just bought off the shelf. Right. Yeah. And, and the, you know, customer service has always been phenomenal there. They've always been super knowledgeable, super friendly. I've never felt like, even when I was younger, I never felt like I was looked down on because I probably didn't have enough money to, to buy a bunch of wine there. Yeah. I never felt like I got preferential or like anyone got preferential treatment because they looked richer or they, or whatever, which I have seen at other wineries. Right. Um, and I, and I also like, if you don't know anything about wine, they're happy to, to talk to you at the level that you're ready to talk about. So if you know a lot about wine, they're happy to talk to you at that level. And if you don't know anything about wine, they're happy to talk to you at that level mm-hmm. and there's no judgment. And, um, that's not something you get everywhere. So totally. really incredible what they're doing. Um, there's plenty of wineries in, um, Lake Country now, but they were the second one ever to open there. Wow. And they're great. I love them. They're not open through the winter season, but they are definitely worth stopping by and and getting, if nothing else, get a glass on the patio, do a tasting for sure. So if you're in the Lake Country area, which is just north of Kelowna, uh, the Arrowleaf Cellars is located on 1574 Camp Road in Lake Country. Awesome. And uh it's not a coin or and it is a complete coincidence that it's Camp Road and I was talking about Camp Road. <laughs> <laughs> Very much a coincidence. Yeah. All right. I knew you were going to do Arrow Leaf. Knew it. Of course. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for this leg of our journey. Taste BC Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by Jeff Wilson and me, Dan Cavanaugh. You can continue the journey and check out everywhere we talked about today in the show notes and on our Taste BC map. Make sure to follow us at Taste BC Radio on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to have you join our community on Patreon. Links are in the show notes. Tune in next time to find out what we will be tasting next. And never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast app. In the meantime, make sure to rate and review the show. This really helps us grow, and we really do appreciate the feedback. Until next time, support local and keep keep it tasty. Nice. (laughs) Love it. Sorry, I just gotta wait for that sound to be over. Oops. Sorry. (laughs) It's obnoxious. If it makes you feel better, I can't hear it. Yeah. It's like a compressor or something. They're doing work on my building. It's really frustrating. They haven't Uh. been making noise all week, and now all of a sudden today it's just like... (laughs) Worst possible timing.